What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar Podcast live stream. Check this out. I don't know if you can hear this on the podcast. Today, we're having beers. We're going with a little blood transfusion IPA here, a local Track 7 beer. Anyways, I'm super excited to have Reed Bikes on, and um, if you guys didn't know, that's actually beer spelled backwards. Oddly enough, I did not recognize that for it took somebody to actually tell me that which is ridiculous because i'm not usually that type of person that doesn't catch that but apparently that's the way it worked out for me nonetheless um we're gonna have them on in a minute but let's talk about a couple other things first if you guys could help me out and help put beer in my fridge that would be great and the way that you could do that is by stopping by patreon and deciding to be a be a uh one of the members over there one of the patrons over there because basically for a buck a month, you can help me out and I can help you out by you guys can get access to some of the coupons that I have over there for different vendors that I've worked with. Or for five bucks a month, you can get some stickers, access to um, different content that I've been making only for Patreon. And then also some longer cuts of the videos that you see on YouTube, as well as something else that I can't remember right now. So you'll get something else also. Oh, a handwritten letter. That's what it is. And outside of that, if you really want to help the channel grow and get to the next level, which would be amazing, there's another one that has a whole bunch of, I'm not, my, what did my daughter say? I'm not allowed to call it swag anymore. I'm supposed to call it something else. Merch, whole bunch of merch. See, you got to take the advice from the 18 year old. So anyways, bunch of merch on that one. And uh, you get, get a pretty cool biker tumbler. You can get some, um, some of these koozies, the slap koozies I have, they're fun for keeping your beers cold or also protecting your frame whenever you're throwing it up on the tailgate. I actually have been using one on my stanchion on my fork lately because I noticed that I was starting to get some rubbing from my tailgate pad on my fork stanchion. So throw a little biker koozie on there, boom, problem solved. If you guys don't want to do that on Patreon, you can go buy the shop at uh, the biker website, b1ker.com. And there's all that stuff over there too. You can buy it as well. Last, I tell you guys this every time. If you don't want to do any, you don't want to send me any money, there's another way you can do it. You can just hit subscribe. That that That's pretty rad. You hit thumbs up if you like what I'm saying. And if you want something free that's extra, then go over to Instagram or Facebook and follow me over there at BikerB1. So B1KERB1, if you can't spell. I don't know why I always say that. I feel like there's some repetition. They always do that in commercials, so I'm supposed to do it or something like that. I don't know. Who knows? Anyways, it's going to be a shorter show tonight. Um, these guys, these guys got lives to live. Imagine that on Mother's Day. I'm really stoked that they came out here, though, and uh, decided to, to pop over with us for a minute. So I'm going to bring on Tim and Adam, and you guys will be able to just look at the screen, figure it out. Those of you guys that are listening to the podcast, well, guess what? You're going to have to figure out them by their voices. <laughs> What's up, guys? Hey. Yo. How's it so, going? I'm I'm super stoked, dude, to have you guys online. Honestly, man, I'm I'm glad that uh, I reached out to to our buddy over there, freaking hooked us up, Trail Boss, and uh, he uh, got got us here to go. And why don't you guys just tell me, maybe Adam first, tell me like what you do over there, and then then we'll do the same thing with Tim and give me a little introduction of what you guys do, and then then we'll we'll just talk bikes, man. Yeah, hey, I'm Adam. I'm uh, the machinist, fabricator, and welder at Reeb. Um, my main project is uh, kind of designing, testing, and fabricating the Reeb Squeeb, which is our 150 millimeter travel 29 inch full suspension frame. 
Uh, but we're a pretty small shop, so we pretty much do everything in our machine shop. Right on, man. How about you, Tim? Hey, Tim. Uh, so I I handle mostly the sales for Reeve, and so if you if you email the general Reeve uh, email, you get me, and and so I try to answer questions and uh, help people get on hopefully the the perfect bike for them. And uh, let's see, we also have a bike shop in Longmont. Um, it's in Cyclops Bike Cantina, so you can go in there and have a beer, some tacos and tequila and that sort of thing, get your bike parked <laughs> or check out a Reeb demo or buy a bike. All the important things, right? Reeb merch is there too. Right on, man. Yeah. So um, I heard you guys talking earlier before we got online that you guys, you guys were riding today. What would you guys get into? Uh, yesterday, um, I actually just moved um just outside of lions which is where um reeb is based out of but uh just out riding in the backyard there's some really good stuff um we've had some moisture lately so oh, nice. um, things are starting to dry up at least to make everything rideable but it's staying nice and wet so the soil's still nice and tacky so you got you guys are colorado so it's kind of like high desertish kind of riding where you're i don't know colorado very well but isn't there like a like a uh, this side of the slope and this side of the slope. I don't, I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're on the, um, we're like in the front range, you front know, range, like Denver, Boulder, but Lions is starting to get up further up into the mountains. Uh, like uh -huh. where I live is like 6,500 feet or so. So, okay, cool. Yeah. But yeah, high desert is definitely a good description of, of where so we're So you at. guys have kind of like, kind of like Tahoe where we're like, you're, you're having some good dirt and then you're having some kitty litter or some sandbox in a turn. And then you're having some good dirt and some sandbox, kind of like that. Yep. Exactly. Got it. Got it. How about you, Tim? Yeah. So I actually rode yesterday as well. Um, didn't get to ride today, but rode yesterday actually right up in, in Adam's neighborhood. I also, I live in town in Lyons and Adam's kind of up in the hills a bit. So the, I mean, what I think are some of our best trails around and like in, in Adam's yard, essentially, uh, so I was up there and uh, and uh, kind of exploring a little, you know, some of the trails we always ride and a little piece that I've never even seen, um, you know, uh, after living here for, for, I don't know, 12 years or something. And this is kind of yeah. a secret little new trail. So it's, yeah. it's crazy how that is. Like you can yeah. be somewhere for so long and like not know of something that's like right in front of you. Right. Yeah, especially some of the stuff's kind of, you know, it's hard to get to a bit remote. And, you know, I think we did a little over 20 miles yesterday. It was some five hours. Rough terrain. Oh, wow. Yeah, you guys <laughs> weren't moving quick then, huh? Yeah. I mean, there were several beers on the on the trail, too. But. Hey, man, that that's there's no problems there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely helps things move along. What, yeah. uh, I mean, I would assume you guys are both riding reeds. Is that actual? Uh, or am I going to, like... We're, we're going to mess up the marketing right now. <laughs> no, we're pretty diehard. Right on. <laughs> what, what are you riding, Adam? Uh, so I'm riding the Reeb Bruiser, um, which okay. is not a production bike, um, but it is uh, kind of a little experiment that um, I've been working on for a couple of years. Uh, lots of help from Gates, Belt Drive, and uh, Pinion Gearboxes. Oh, so wow. it is a... Um, yeah, so it's a 190 front, 185 rear travel, uh, 12 speed gearbox bike with What's a single pound fork. So it's 
it's like um is that I mean, 29er i assume yep 29er um wow yeah it's it's pretty wild it's 62 and a half degree head angle the wheelbase so is like that long low slack kind of deal yeah but it's it's fully a trail bike i pedal it everywhere you know mm-hmm. easily it'll be a bike that i climb like 3500 feet on to go do a trail ride so um yeah it's a lot of fun i rode a zeroed in um uc in santa cruz a few years ago and I'll say that gearbox with where it puts the weight at, it was the most confident bike I've ever ridden through a corner in my entire life. Like that, just like having that weight down there, it was, it was amazing. I I would imagine, is that a similar experience that you're having with your, what you got? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting experience because I changed about 10 variables on the bike. Um, Mm -hmm. I made the chain stays longer uh, the front triangle is made out of steel instead of aluminum. Um, the weight went way up, uh, mainly because I joke, it's like my COVID bike. Um, mm-hmm. you know, bike parts are so hard to find right now. You try to make it, you know, last. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super fun. It, it handles very similar to our squeeb, our, our normal, uh, production trail bike, but uh-huh. um, it just has uh, those couple variables that are, are fun to play with. Right on, man. I know with the zero two, that bike was a lot heavier, but because of where the weight was, it didn't feel that way. I, I, yeah. And it's, it's definitely how you build it. Like the, um, the pinion gearbox, like they have two different versions. One is made out of aluminum. Um, mm-hmm. it's more durable, um, like less prone to rock strikes. Uh, from what I hear, they also have a magnesium case, which is much, much lighter. But mm-hmm. uh, the only bad thing I've heard about it is you can punch a rock through the gearbox. Yeah. Um, but that one, the magnesium gearbox weighs just just a touch more. Like It's like maybe 100 grams more than a GX drivetrain. Oh, wow. So it's not, so it's not as heavy like as you think that. they are, but... Yeah, um, yeah. You know, they just, I think they get kind of a bad rap because they look a little bulky. I'll tell you right now. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that the future of bikes is along that line. I mean, it just, the derailleur just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like we're riding through this rocky terrain and tight stuff and to have something hanging off of the bike like that, that's an integral part of your shifting and like whether or not you keep pedaling. It just doesn't make any sense for it to be there. So I, I think that's that's pretty rad that you guys are working on that. Is that something that you see in the foreseeable? Like, what's the what's the future timeline look for that? Like a year or two out, or uh, that's hard to say. Uh, the big thing is Reeb has been building hardtails with pinion bikes, or sorry, building hardtails with pinion gearboxes for a long time. Yeah, uh, for like probably five years, something like that, right, Tim? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. I, I guess I'd have to go back and see when we like took that first one to the Hammy Bike Show. But yeah, it's been we were one of the early adopters of that technology. Because you guys have a belt drive even on your DJ too, right? Yeah. So, so any of our not pinion, speed, but it's like I yeah. Think so like people, any of our single speed hardtails are um, belt drive capable. Mm-hmm. Um, so any anything can be run with it. Um, are there we do have several production models now that um that aren't all belt drive compatible but we do have 
um, belt options for all of our bikes still. So, the, but the pinion that you're running, that's that's belt as well, right? Or did that I just make that yeah, you, can, okay. you can run that. You can run that chain or belt. Uh -huh. um, I just thought belt was pretty cool, and it's it's crazy because the bike is completely silent on the right, trail. Right. It's pretty Which awesome. No chain slap. Uh huh. That's pretty rad. Yeah. How um how about you, Tim? What are you riding? Uh well yeah so yesterday I actually rode my my so I have a squeeb that's a completely production you know stock squeeb um, medium frame love that bike ride it a lot um, typically in the area uh, that I was riding it yesterday I probably would ride my my single speed so it's a it's a ridiculous too it's a you know a belt drive single speed and it works mm -hmm. really well for that kind of terrain where it's just like you know, picking through things, a lot of hike, bike, and, and that sort of stuff, a little bit of an exploratory ride. Um, but I, I had a crash a few weeks back and kind of re-injured my shoulder a little bit. So pulling on the oh, squeeze been more difficult. So I rode the geared bike yesterday. Um, and the squeeze does really well and all that stuff too. It's just, you know, a little more bike than you need for some of that stuff. So what's the, what's the squeeze normal kind of like, what is it, wheel size and suspension like 160 150 130 i don't know i'm not super familiar with it i'm assuming that not everybody listening is as well yeah i would say in general you know the, the squeeze so we, we make it the same frame it comes in in two travels so we make a, a long travel and a short travel so it's the same frame just with a, a different rear shock and a lower shock mount so that we can get either 130 out of the short travel or 150 out of uh, rear travel in the long travel. Mm -hmm. And typically pair that on, on both models with the 150 to 180 fork for most people. <laughs> um, oh, wow. You know, I run mine 170 up front in the long travel rear, and, and that makes for a bike that, you know, feels like you can handle anything. You can go, you know, take it to the park for a day. I mean, it, 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 it'll handle, you know, like, like a lot of enduro-style bikes these days, it'll handle like what a downhill bike from a few years back would do. Um, yeah. You can also pedal it all day, and it's, you know, just a, a good trail bike too, so. Right on, man. So yeah, there... we wanted to make that bike uh, very adaptable. Um, we, since since we're, we are a small company, like it's hard to have a ton of different full suspension bike models. So we really... Um, over the past couple of years, we've we've really dug into what we thought was best for a bike that pedaled well and went downhill well. Uh -huh. And then we were able to build a platform, um, a frame platform that is modular. So the lower shock mount is actually swappable so you can run different travel shocks and you can also adjust bottom bracket height with that. And then oh, when you rad. run anywhere from 150 to 180 millimeter fork, uh, there's a lot of different things you can do with geometry. So uh, we even have uh, our mullet squeeb is the same front triangle as all the rest of our squeebs, but it uses a different lower shock mount. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're testing all the way up to 180 millimeter rear travel on the mullet setup. So oh, wow. it's truly like, extremely modular and capable um, bike that you can really do anything on. And the most important thing is it's a bike that pedals well. Um, we all like to pedal a bunch. We're not just like park right. rats or anything. So yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was super important to us. Yeah. I think most of the people nowadays, I mean, kind of that 
enduro kind of style riding is what most people are doing right like at least most of the people that i know as far as like when you say mountain biker most people are going out you know you're doing a lot of pedaling but it's really just a means to the end right it's like pedal so that you can freaking rip down the hill and have a good time i I don't know a whole lot of xc types i guess you could say you know like they're out there i'm not saying that they aren't and there's plenty of people that that that's their jam but it seems like the majority of the everyday mountain bikers are more on that kind of enduro kind of lifestyle i guess you could say (laughs) would you guys agree yeah definitely um you know it's it's kind of the trend right now um there's there's I would say it's the popular trend. Um, there's still plenty of people that, you know, think a 150 millimeter travel bike is way too much. Um, that's why we we offer that 130 travel option. Um, but we also build a lot of hardtails, and we have two hardtail mountain bikes: um, the Ridiculous Two and the Ridiculous. Um, the Ridiculous has a two degree slacker head tube angle than the Ridiculous mm-hmm. Two because. We know that there's still people out there that, you know, want to um, pedal all day and they don't necessarily need the long, low and slack that everybody's building. So we like to kind of have all the options because we we sell to everybody, not just the, you know, right. people following the trend. Oh, and didn't Jeff have to do, didn't he got, help you guys out with like kind of figuring out the ridiculous or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's kind of like his pro model, like pro model. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had the Ridiculous too, and um, he wanted a bike that was um, mainly lower, uh, you know, a lot more standover. Uh, the Ridiculous too is a uh, kind of started off as like the, um, you know, the just normal single speed mountain bike. It, it uh-huh. checked all the boxes, um, and now that is kind of grafted into our. Um, bike packing bike because it does have that big front triangle for a frame bag and mm-hmm. um, but yeah Jeff helped out a bunch with um, you know dialing in the geometry on the ridiculous and and it's still a um, it's always a um, um, you know ongoing process with that too like yeah right we we like to do rolling changes and and just keep building better bikes right on man. Tim, I'm curious as to why that you chose to have a, a belt drive on your single speed. What, what's the reason for that? Yeah, you know, I think we've been doing the belt drive stuff, uh, you know, kind of hanging out with the Gates folks and and, and uh, doing that from the start. And I've just, you know, I know maybe it's not the same for everyone, but I've never had trouble with it. It's, it's simple. I, you know, I've been riding single speeds for a long time. So before I started on the belt drive, I would go through you know, a few chains a year and a belt typically lasts me several years. Um, uh-huh. So, uh, um, you know, they, they can break, but, but they're actually quite durable and really low maintenance, quiet, light. Um, yeah. They tend to work really well around here. Like you touched on it earlier, we have like essentially like decomposed granite, kitty litter, some like loamy soil here and there, but you know, we don't have like fine dust which seems to be one of the only places the belt drive doesn't work well like really i guess light dust that gets in the belt and can cause creaking so around uh-huh. here, belts run clean and and uh you know stay quiet all the time so it just works yeah. for me 
Um, I also am, as far as single speeds go, I kind of pick a gear and and stay with it. So I'm not changing out my cogs a lot like some single speeders do. So uh -huh. you know, for that, maybe chain drives a little, at least a little bit less expensive because the, the belt cogs and belts are, you know, more expensive than chain stuff. But um, I kind of pick the gear and just stick with it for the most part. Yeah, so, yeah. I um I really wanted to try single speeding. I had a, a chameleon till just recently. I sold it and I bought the stuff to switch it over to single speed and I never ended up getting around to it before I ended up selling the bike. And I'm still I'm still interested, man. I'm, I'm like when I bought the hard hardtail, one of the main reasons that I bought that was so that I could make some trails that I've ridden a billion times fun again. You know, yeah. that's the best way I can explain it. And oh, yeah. that's kind of how I feel about the single speed. It's like, okay, I've done it this way. I've done it this way. I've done it this way. Now let's try it that way, you know? And uh, I don't know. It's definitely like on my list, but for some reason, the lady doesn't understand that I need like 75 bikes. So, <laughs> yeah. So right now it is what it is. What's um? So you guys talked about the squeeb. You've, you've talked about, what about some of the other models? What else? the ridiculous you said so that's like basically you have a hardtail you have the squeeb which is 29 or do you guys have a 27.5 or do you do anything like that or a plus bike yeah yeah we, we do we have a model called the 650 that um you know has been it, it's i think it's our longest actually longest running bike without a change at this point but you know that was um we started making that bike to take you know it'll take 27 and a half by three inch tires I mean, there's oh, so you can go yeah. pretty big on that then, yeah. Yeah, so that one's that one's also kind of been used as a as a bike packing bike for people that want to run that gear size or just a general, you know, I guess I guess trail bike if you're not looking for something super aggressive. Um, it hasn't been quite as popular in the past few years. Um, I think that the the 29 wheel size has just been a bit more popular, at least for us. Um, and we do make a fat bike too. It's called the Reed Donk Donk. Um, we actually ride a maton around here because we have, um, you know, a, a good winter and um, just up the road, we, we have conditions that are that are good for it through the winter. We get, you know, a bunch of snowshoers. Being on the front range, it's a pretty populated area as far as, you know, people getting off the trails and packing uh, the trails, snowshoers and feet and stuff. So we have a lot of fun. Uh, Riding. Yeah, yeah. One of my buddies, uh, he rides up in Tahoe a lot, the fat yeah. bike, and he he like he was saying that basically where all the snowmobilers go, he just rides inside of their tracks, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Um, like, there's a, a race series, I guess, kind of local up in Leadville. Um, those guys at, at Cloud City Wheelers put on a really cool race series in the winter and most of that is um is uh groomed by snowmobile um right here where we are it's a little bit it's more restricted so it's all like you know foot packed with snowshoes and that and stuff but um really yeah. good trail tons of fun a lot of the like fastest strava times uh, on on some of these trails are in the winter because you know these trails are just boulder strewn you know roots and boulders and and stuff in the summer and then uh in the winter it's just sort of like this rolling yeah it's like a beeline then flow trail. Walk, essentially right. so if conditions are right it's just ripping fast and really fun 
That's super rad. I need to try that one of these days. It's like I grew yeah. up in Pennsylvania and it snows all winter. And when we would ride, it was just like this miserable experience. But that was riding mountain bikes back in the 90s. You, you know what I mean? So yeah. like in my head, I'm like, I don't want to relive that. But obviously things have changed a bunch. I, I really, really should try it out. So it's definitely so um, kind of switching gears a little bit. Can you guys tell me like how Reeb came about? Uh, yeah, so this was before I, I started here with Reeb, but um, so our owner, Dale, is, uh, is Dale started uh, Oscar Blues Brewery, so we're, we're somewhat tied to a brewery still, which is, is an interesting way to come about with a with a, a bike company, but Dale and, and a bunch of the folks there at Oscar Blues were, you know, super into bikes and... Um, Oscar Blues at that point was sponsoring, I mean, to me at least, I, I was working at a bike, different bike shop back then, but it seemed like every race was sponsored by Oscar Blues uh, Brewery. And right. so, you know, deep in the in the bike culture already. And then right, uh, right about then, as Oscar Blues was starting to really blow up, um, Dale's bike was stolen. He had, a, he had a, another bike that was made here in Colorado um by another company and uh and and so he kind of wanted another main colorado bike and and right about that time it, it wasn't working out from that company so he decided to just start his own company <laughs> you know, that's where reeb cycles was born and it was um you know right at first it was it was um a few brewery employees like making some bikes for brewery employees and then um october 2011 you know, they started the LLC and decided to make a, an official bike company. Um, our buddy make Chad, it for it. our buddy Chad, who kind of ran the marketing company at Oscar Blues as it as it really grew, started Reeb Cycles. I came on, I think it was in 2012, and we, you know, just it, it's kind of grown from there, and and I guess um, evolved from like this this little company that was really really focused on beer and and just like simple bikes so that's the the single speed hardtail kind of thing so simple bike uh -huh. and, and and all that to um you know making several bikes and, and really a focus that's more like i think every other bike company we, we still drink plenty of beer though <laughs> right on so adam you're you're a welder and you said a machine machinist as well so you guys are machining parts up there you're not you're not getting that stuff made elsewhere you guys are doing it all there yeah so we do 98 percent of things um we outsource the only thing that we outsource is um the suspension hardware and we mm -hmm. have that made by turnamics which is uh i9's parent company so okay you know, keeping it in the, keeping it in the industry and, and, um, kind of keeping it with friends. Um, and then, uh, in high production times, we have our rocker machined by, um, longtime bike industry friend, um, in Michigan. So, um, we machine everything else in the house and that's, um, for the squeeb, uh, we do steel yokes for the, thank you. Uh, we do steel yokes for the hardtails in-house. Um, we machine all of our fixtures in-house. We do do a lot. Um, right on. And then, yeah, a lot of that is 
um, my design and programming. Um, but then we also have a friend, uh, Steve, the space cowboy. He's kind of just a guy that showed up in our shop one day. He lived <laughs> in planes and um, he's an aerospace engineer and he really loved what we were doing. And uh, it seems like we kind of all just became best friends and he okay. liked to help out with a bunch of engineering work for us. So um, Steve helped out a bunch on the current Squeeb. And then, um, yeah, I pretty much machine everything. I weld all the bikes, all the aluminum bikes. And then we powder coat in-house. We assemble the frames in-house. We, and then once the frames are assembled, they get turned over to Tim and he makes them into, into complete bikes. All oh, right, on, man. How'd you get into machining, man? Uh, long story, but I, I'm really into classic cars. Uh -huh. And I grew up in a garage pretty much, wrenching on um, old cars. And my dad was an engineer and uh, just I was always taught to, you know, try to learn how to do it yourself. And I think that's how I became a machinist. I liked what machinists do. And um, so, yeah, I just tried hard and followed the right people and asked questions and right on, how I read. Yeah, I, I work for uh, my day job. I do IT, but the company that I work for, they um, build ROVs for like bottom of the ocean, like doing, doing, working on oil rigs and stuff like that. And they, uh, they machine everything there. So they're like machining all this stuff out of like titanium and whatever, and all this kind of, kind of crazy stuff. And I got a buddy that runs project three, two, one, the hub company. So I, my only experience before working at this place was like going to see his, his facility. And it's like, you know, a couple of machines or whatever. And that was pretty yeah. impressive to me at the time, you know, and then I started working here and it's like, I walk in this machine, this place is like, the size of a football field with just Maury's just freaking grinding stuff all day long. It's like, holy cow, this is insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Maury's, are, Maury's are good machines. My last job, I was a, a maintenance supervisor at a medical machine shop and they actually sent me to uh, DMG Maury to um, go to some classes there. All right. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, but speaking of, Project 321, you're the second person that has mentioned those hubs in the last week. Um, does that use some sort of magnetic pulse? Yes. system? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jake, originally when he started making his hubs, he was out of Fresno and he was doing the shells. He also yeah. does stuff for like Shelby. Like, I mean, you're a car guy, so you know what Shelby is. Yep. And um, I guess he was, he was making, I I might be wrong on this. I'm kind of paraphrasing from what I know, but I think he started making hubs because he was really into lefties and he couldn't get what he wanted or something like that. So it was like, he did this shit for Selby, Shelby and all this other stuff. And it was like, oh, I'm going to do this on the side. Cause I'm a mountain biker. And I like, like that or whatever. And uh, I think it just started growing, but originally he was using I nine internals and just making the shells. And then later he came out with that magnetic system. And um, gotcha. honestly, dude, I, I've been, I was buying his hubs before I was doing YouTube and they were solid, man. It, that was the deal. It was like, I could buy this hub that weighed just as much as an I nine that came in all the colors. And I wrote a lefty at the time too. So it was like finding somebody that made a lefty hub in colors, you know, or whatever. And uh, 
they yeah. were solid. And then he brought out the new Paul system, and those are solid too. And he has that like a a louder one, and then what he calls quiet, so it's not silent, but it's quiet. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, no, they, they've been rock solid for me. I, I'm actually running a prototype that he has right now. I've been running it for a few months and zero problems there. So. I've uh, been nothing but ex like happy and excited to help represent his company as much as I can because it's kind of like Rebiz, man. It's a smaller company and making good products, trying to trying to do the best they can do, right? Yep. Exactly. So, how about you, Tim? How'd you get into the the bike industry? Oh man, it was a uh, I guess you know a racing bikes in college, trying to cross country race. I was never really that good at it, but ended up meeting you know a bunch of guys that worked at the bike shop through the race scene and, and kind of, you know, took part-time job working bike shop. And then it just sort of evolved into, you know, a, a full-time mechanic job. And then, uh, when I finished college, I got my degree in wildlife management and I moved to Colorado and thought I'd try to get a, a job working for the, uh, Colorado department of wildlife. And, uh, you know, that's like sort of a dream job. And, um, turned out, you know, in the meantime, I got a, a bike shop gig again, and all sorts of different opportunities have, have come about, but I've always just looked at it and thought, what do I enjoy? And it's always been, you know, bikes. So I'm just, yeah. with it. and it's, it's, uh, it's worked out okay. I mean, you know, uh, working here at Reeve is sort of my dream job, I suppose. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's like doing what I want to do every day. So. I've always told my kids as they were growing up, like, if you chase whatever you're passionate about, you'll always be successful. Right. And success can be measured in different ways. I mean, some people measure success in money and things, and some people measure success in happiness. And I'm sure there's some other ways that people measure it. But to me, like, whatever it is to you, if that if you're happy, then you're doing it right. And if you're chasing like something that you're passionate about, at least in my opinion, how can you not be happy? you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, some of the guys in the comments are talking about that. You guys have a clunker. How'd that come about? Uh, so clunkers are, are pretty cool. Right. Uh, no, it's hard, hard to, hard to say that they're not. Um, so but, the one you guys have is like, is it a coaster break? Uh, it's coaster break capable. Um, but, it's also, we tried to keep it as like open as possible. So, you know, really it, it's a, it's a frame that you can buy and you can slap all your mountain bike parts on it that are like outdated pretty, right. pretty much. Like it has a um, um, 44 millimeter head tube. So you can run any fork you want in it. You can run an inch and an eighth fork. You can run a tapered fork. You could run. Oh, nice. I mean, you can run an inch and a half straight fork if you have one of those sitting around. <laughs> um, and then it's a threaded bottom bracket, uh, 27.2 seat post, which you can run a dropper post with. Right. And then the rear end is a 135, uh, you know, bolt on uh, style dropout. So any like older single speed wheels. Or you can space out coaster brake hubs to work with that rear end spacing. So um, I used to work at a bike shop in Iowa called Ichi Bike. Um, and that's all we did. We built, like we refurbished old Schwinn's and we built 
uh, clunkers and, you know, like just cool cruiser bikes. And um, it's something that I've always been into. And when I came on working at Reeb, um, I really thought about the fact that we make a lot of pretty high-end bikes and you don't really want to lock up one of those really high-end bikes outside of a bar. Right. So uh, our clunker is yeah. half the price of yeah. one of our, you know, normal mountain bikes. Yeah. So it, it, makes a, it makes a much cheaper bike. It's still a very nice, high-quality, you know, high-end bike, but it doesn't necessarily stand out like a high-end mountain bike does. So no, I'm um, with you. I have a I have a four hundred dollar freaking Raleigh single speed road bike. I don't know if that's what you want to call it. You know what I mean? That I use. That's my that's my bar bike. You know, yep. it's a nice bike, dude. It pedals good. You know, like good frame and everything like that. But at the end of the day, that's kind of why I have it. Is like if somebody decides to take that while I'm inside having some beers. I'm going to be upset, but I'm not going to be like heartbroken, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so like our bike could be built up pretty much any, any way you want rigid fork, suspension fork. Um, you know, it can be a very affordable bar bike, or it can be built up as like a rad single speed mountain bike with a suspension fork. Yeah. Uh, Tim's bike is built up with a Cane Creek helm on the front and it's like normal, like single speed, like mountain bike trail ripper and that thing is so much fun like so the bike that you're you were talking about earlier tim your single speed is actually the clunker well i have both <laughs> I, <Yeah. laughs> I have ridiculous too that's a belt drive single speed and then my clunker is um it's just what adam said it's um it, it's a chain drive single speed but it's got like you know wheels they're old the old good the really good flow stands flow rims the old flows, whatever they were called, the heavy ones. That yeah, were yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, and a, fork, a helm fork that was still in great shape, but just ended up being retired off another bike and, um, you know, that, that sort of stuff. So it, it, it's got some, some sort of hodgepodge parts, but it turned out, you know, it's, it's got tubeless mountain bike wheels and a nice suspension fork and a dropper post. So it's yeah. a ton of fun to actually trail ride on. Um, so, yeah, I've had I've had this idea for this clunker freaking ride that I want video ride whatever you want to call it. So I had a you guys know who Charlie Kelly is? Yeah, yeah. Right. So like he started like the 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 mountain bike racing downhill racing scene. I guess you could say in Marin County. Yep. And yeah, there's a documentary on Amazon called Clunkers that that oh, basically yeah. he had a big deal to do with. And there's this run over there, the repack run. That's like kind of like the birthplace of mountain biking, right? And yeah. those guys like Chris Ritchie and stuff like that, like held the the record for years and years on these like old ass freaking clunkers that they rolled down that hill. And yeah. I've I've never been to the trail, but everybody I've talked to that has been there, I mean, it's basically like a fire road. It's not a trail by any means of what we're we would call a trail today. But you know, I go out here on this freaking bike that I have that's probably, you know, it's it's a top-of-the-line bike, right? You know, and, and I'm ripping down the trail with my buddies, and we're getting PRs, and we're, you know, talking shit to, about other people or whatever. And I really want to get a clunker 
albeit a modern day clunker, but get a clunker and just go out there and see where I stack up. You know what I mean? Like, sure. like I could oh, be yeah. I, like thinking I'm a badass, but if I'm doing seven minutes and Chris Ritchie was at like four, you know, like obviously, dude, they were they were they were killing it, right? So I don't know. It's just it just seems like a super fun idea to me to go out there and check it out. Yeah. So um, there was actually just an article about this. Um, Jeff Kabush went out there and tried to beat uh, Tom Ritchie's record. I think was Tom I saying Ritchie, the wrong name? Was it Tom or was it Chris? I thought it was Chris. Uh, Tom, Tom Ritchie is is like of, of Ritchie bikes. Oh, okay. Um, and I believe then I was saying it wrong. I believe. Tom record or maybe uh, I was actually just trying to look it up. Um, but back then, so there was, there was a couple of variables. So Jeff Kabush, I, I think wasn't either, wasn't able to beat the record or it was like coming very, very close. Mm -hmm. And um, back then there was no water bars on the road. So it was much faster than it is now. Evidently uh -huh. there was a bunch of big water bars but um, they were they were saying that it was like extremely hard to beat. Um, and he did everything from like he brought out like a Yeti SB100 and tried it on that and wasn't even close. And then he yeah, I've heard that too, that guys on modern bikes are still struggling to like beat these guys times. Yeah. And like, I think the closest he got was running like a SB 165 with like DH casing tires and heavy wheels and, you know, a bike that makes a lot of momentum. Yeah. Um, I think at the end of the day, the moral of that story is like repetition, right? Oh like, yeah. I mean, like they were you, out there. That yeah. was like, that was their racetrack. They, that was the only thing to do, right? Yeah. Just over and over and over again. It's like when my buddies come up here and they ride with me and then we do one of my local trails and it's like, dude, these guys could smoke me anywhere else, you know, but they're on my trail. It's like, they're like, damn, dude, you're ripping. I'm like, yeah, but I've done this trail like a thousand times. dude. Like, Oh yeah. yeah. That, that makes, that makes a huge difference. I mean, like, um, every week Reeb does a ride called the Reeb romp and it's a night ride. Oh, sweet. And, um, I try to, I try to ride as many as I can, but, I don't get out to as many as I want, but like Tim and Chad ride these trails and um, in Boulder County and Larimer County, there's a lot of trails that uh, technically close at dusk. Yeah. So there's kind of a limited selection of good trails to ride at night. So or do they enforce it? Cause around here there, everything closes at dusk, but we People that I know that may be associated with me or me <laughs> ride anything anyways and kind of just run with the, if you get caught, then it's illegal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the, the one close, we have a trail that's a mile from our shop uh -huh. um, that's in the town of Lyons. That one, like we just kind of know not to poach it because, you know, we're a company that's based yeah, on yeah, yeah, town. So, yeah. you know, you gotta, you gotta like, but I mean, like some areas, like good. some areas, they're like all hardcore about trying to pop people. So like, I know in San Francisco, these guys are getting popped and like getting tickets written all the time. And it's like, holy cow, man. Like, really? That's what they have to spend their time on? Like, I'm, I'm just... Yeah, I wouldn't say it's, it's very enforced. It's just, uh, there's still yeah, just yeah. kind of a, there's kind of a good selection of trails yeah. like that yeah, are... 
that are legal and um, you know yeah. still fun at night. I'm following. But, but riding with like Tim, who's ridden some of these trails like a hundred times, like he knows everything on it, and it's it's awesome following Tim and Chad just because they like they, they know these trails like the back of their hand, and yeah. I'm just along for the ride. So it's good though, man. You know, right. like people tell you into the fun lines and you see stuff that you didn't see before and that's fun right. lines. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so somebody was asking while we were talking about the clunkers, like what's a good coaster brake hub recommendation? Uh, I don't remember the exact one off the top of my head, but it's made by Shimano. Um, it's like their current Shimano hub. Yeah. Um, what so you model number I can't remember. yeah yeah like some yeah. hard hard model number to remember yeah. but some alphabet soup with some numbers at the end or something like that yeah but honestly <laughs> there is no good coaster brake hub um just like back in the 70s and 80s in the repack days the, yeah. what repack means is you have to repack the hub with grease because you do one run and you just boil all of the grease out of the hub and right, then the hub right. goes up. So um, the real people to talk to about coaster brake stuff is oddity cycles and money bikes. Um, Shell from money makes flanges that bolt onto a Shimano hub that converts it from 36 hole to 32 hole. So you can run a coaster brake hub in a normal mountain bike rim. Um, oh, and he also makes like the correct axle spacers because they're, they're all one fifteen spacing, you know, they're narrow spacing. Uh -huh. So he makes, uh, spacers and can source axles to make them one thirty five spaced. Um, and those guys, and they also do, I think he calls it the coaster cooler. It's like a giant heat sink that bolts onto the center of the hub to keep the oh, hub cool. Because oh, yeah. when you, when you like actually coaster brake mountain bike, the hub gets extremely hot. So you have right. to cool it down somehow. Huh. So that makes sense. Yeah. So putting some heat sinks on it. I didn't even think about that. Yep. Um, but as for old hubs, the, the kind of like trick back in the day for clunker clunkers were to run a tandem, a Schwinn tandem hub. So that it was like a Bendix hub, but, it was made specifically for tandems. So the wedges in the coaster brake were like twice as big and you could run bigger spokes and it was just a, a stronger hub. Interesting. Yeah. There's I all should, kinds of tricks. I should talk to, I should talk to Jake over there at project three, two, one, tell me he needs to make a, uh, a coaster brake <laughs> hub. It would be awesome one. to make a modern coaster brake yeah. hub. Well, you're a machinist too, dude. Get on it, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That would be right. pretty awesome. That'd be right. a fun, that'd be a fun kind of, uh, not pointless, but like a fun project to put way too much effort into. Right. Right. So <laughs> one of the guys in the comments is saying Shimano CB dash E one one zero. Does that sound about right? Something like that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whoever's making that comment probably knows <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> exactly i mean they could have put alphabet anything with some letters in it and we would have been like yep yeah, that's that's <laughs> yeah. so tim what do you what do you like about working working over there man what's your favorite part well you know i think i guess 
sort of the variety. I mean, we've been doing this for a while, but, um, you know, no day is the same. We get to typically go to, you know, do a bunch of cool events. I think Adam alluded to it a little bit earlier. We kind of all do a lot of stuff here. So, yeah. you know, we're a company with like six employees. So everybody kind of has to be able to Jack of all trades. Do whatever's needed and and sort of wing it. And so it's a uh, it, it's super fun in, in that regard. Um, you know, I also get to. We, so if you look at our website, it, it looks like we sell like these stock bikes, and that's kind of the thing that we do. But 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 we really almost every bike I build is is unique in some way. It's mm -hmm. pretty rare that we sell like a fully stock bike. It usually. We're selling to a clientele, you know, these people aren't buying their first bike to and, yeah. and so they, they know they want, you know, a Chris King headset out of in, mango or whatever, you know. So there's just like a lot of that kind of stuff and and making, you know, bikes that look good or are exactly what somebody wants. Um, you know, Adam and the and and the crew at the fab shop can do, you know, custom sizing and stuff too. So we get into that once in a while. Um, and, and, and so it's just really fun to, to do, I guess the best of what I've been trying to do for a long time working at bike shops was to put everyone on the best bike for them. And now I can really do it. So it's right on, man. how about Adam, if, if one of your friends that doesn't mountain bike came to you and was like, dude, you work for a mountain bike company and I want to buy one, what would be the bike that you would recommend to them? Uh, somebody that doesn't mountain bike. They want to get into it, but they want to, you know, they don't, you know, whenever people are like trying to get into it, they don't want to spend a lot, but they want the best bang for their buck, but they want something that's going to do well. Obviously where they live has something to do with it. Let's just assume they live where you guys are. So you, you're not trying to like take that into the equation, but like what would, what, which one of your line would you set them up on? Uh, so it all depends on their end goal. Like if they want to uh, get to be a really good mountain biker and they want to go on like big mountain rides and have full suspension, I would a hundred percent say a short travel squeeb. Um, and those start out, um, you know, pretty affordable for a complete bike, but otherwise I would say the Diculus two, um, because it could be set up so many different ways. Uh, the Diculus two being a hard tail, you know, you can build it a little bit more affordable, but it also is full featured. So you can build it, you know, as crazy as you want in the future. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hardtails also have that um, nice fact that they don't necessarily um, kind of uh, go obsolete. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, still a fun bike no matter what, man. Yeah, like, you know, there's, we have customers that ride their, their ridiculous too for, you know, several years. And then they come back and they, they buy a new fork that's, you know, 10, 20 millimeters longer and uh, build up some different wheels for it, put a dropper post on it and, and, you know, make it into a, you know, bigger mountain bike. So right on. Um, yeah, lots of, lots of cool options really. Are your um, bikes all direct to consumer or they, you guys sell them through shops too, or. Yeah, yeah, Tim can talk about that. Yeah, both. Both. We do, I think, you know, at this point, still more direct to consumer, but we, we do have bike shops that we work with, and they're, you know, 
listed dealers on our on our website if you want to check that out. So you know, for anybody who's watching and wants to see if there's one in their in their neighborhood, check them out. All the shops that are on there are, are shops that that we've had fun working with, you know, and 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 are committed to helping us out with with what we're doing. Um, we haven't like really pushed a dealer base or, or platform, you know, we're not, we're not trying to get right. a, a dealership in every city out there or anything, but yeah, yeah, I got that. we can work with a shop that's, um, just a, a cool shop that kind of digs what we're doing. It, it yeah. usually turns into a really good relationship where, 100%. You, you know, it, it's more like friends that sell our bikes than yeah, yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm totally hearing you there, man. Um, what do you guys have anything in the pipeline that you're super excited about? <laughs> like, uh, can we talk about that? I don't know if we could talk. With, I mean, you already told um, me about the 190 millimeter freaking full suspension belt drive, dude. So, <laughs> pinion bike. Yeah, there, there's no, there's no secret secrets around here. Um, <laughs> we we really just revamped our whole line. Um, in the past year, year and a half. So we're super excited about getting all those bikes um, out mm. into the public and, and you know, riding on them. Um, yeah, yeah. But we always do rolling changes. Uh, we aren't a company that does like a huge, you know, model launch every year. Right. You just kind of um, do we, it as you go. Yeah. We typically... Um, yeah, we kind of just roll with the changes. And, you know, if there's something new that comes out, um, we don't wait until the next model year right. to, you know, adapt to that new. Well, you guys are fabricating everything there. So it's exactly. easy to do that. It's yeah, not like so you yeah. ordered like 500 frames from China. You need to sell those first. You know, you're like, all right, well, tomorrow, Adam, start machining it this way. You know? Yeah, exactly. So we, we always like to keep things really current. Um, like that being said, the squeeb, um, is going through a um, revision now, like all the bike shipping now have, um, a frame that the front triangle, well, the, the whole, the whole frame is a pound lighter than last year's bike. Um, oh, wow. some aesthetics changes, um, some manufacturing changes. Um, it's still, uh, same geometry. We're doing, uh, like a little bit more standover. So just dropping the top tube on the bikes to give it more of that like straight backbone look mm -hmm. where the top tube kind of runs in the, into the seat stays really nice. Um, but yeah, just kind of rolling changes and just always improving our product. Um, nothing uh, crazy groundbreaking right now. Just, yeah, yeah. just making them better. When you guys are doing your, your droppers, cause you guys only work in aluminum, right? The or full steel. suspension bike is only aluminum right, right now. I guess what I, the better way to ask that question so that people are clear, you guys don't make a carbon model is what I'm trying to say. That we do right. not make a carbon right. model. So when you're doing your droppers, then there's no kind of internal routing, right? In a, in a regular aluminum frame for cable housings, or do you guys do all your cable housings on the ex, external side? Uh, the, all of our cable routing is on the outside of the triangle, except for where the seat post inserts into the frame. So, you know, it's like a stealth, stealth dropper, but. Right. The, so there's like a hole basically down at the bottom and you kind of just route out of that and then zip tie to the frame or whatever it is all the way up a, the down tube. 
Yeah, on the on the down tube, there's machined cable guides that hold all three um, cables together. Got so it. it's a very clean, um, very clean mounting system. They're all they go underneath the water bottle, so the cables stay clean, and they're like you know not underneath the down tube where they just fill yeah, dirt yeah. and crap. So you have two two bottle mounts on your frames usually, or just one, or depends on the frame. Uh, the full suspension bike just has one bottle mount. Got it. Got it. Right yeah. on. And then I wanted to ask too. Um, so earlier you were saying like sometimes somebody gets a Chris King headset or you know they want you know whatever cranks or something like that. How does that process go for somebody that's trying to buy? Like you go to the website, it's not like there's a a checkbox that says you know I want Chris King here you know and in yeah. blue anno. Is like, is there like a support link or something you just email or how do people go about doing that? Yeah, exa exactly that. So, you know, we, we've kind of fiddled around the website a lot and it gets, it can easily get too complicated and um, right. not just from a, a web design and, and monetary standpoint, but also like from the consumer standpoint, you know, um, yeah, yeah. We, we've left it fairly simple where there are easy, clear choices if you just want to pick a bike, but, um, and then just there's, on every on every bike page there's kind of an email list for custom builds and, and so we end up doing a lot of not just that where it's you know you want to throw in a, a a different crank or fork or whatever but a lot of people i think like i was kind of saying earlier um they have a lot of parts too or maybe they're like moving parts over from their last bike so we do a lot of like partial builds too so we'll do oh cool you know frame shock and whatever headset for yeah 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 i get it different things um so we're really willing to work with with anybody and uh and do do all that stuff it's you know i'm building these things up one at a time as far as like the, the final build for a complete mic so it's typically not a big deal parts out we don't charge extra to do it just parts prices difference um, yeah, yeah you know these days with with COVID, parts availability is tricky so that that makes it yeah, a, it's been a mess, right sometimes it works out too because you know we'll have a complete bike about ready to go but we can't get this or that and so it's nice to be able to call somebody up and say hey your bike's about ready to go but you know do you want to run a different crank or whatever yeah and, yeah uh, and and people are biking the, the bike community i think is getting it as a whole that like things are are not quite back to perfect yet and, no uh, we all get it dude yeah Yesterday. so people are pretty cool with it and and and, and yeah. a lot of times it works out well we're like well you know i was thinking about doing those whatever viewing titanium cranks or something like that right. so you know sometimes you get a nice upgrade so have you guys ridden those yeah i've got them on my squeeze actually They're my buddy awesome. my buddy jake that i was talking about earlier from project 321 was telling me about them and i have another friend too and he was like Dude, once you ride these cranks, you won't want to ride any other cranks ever again. Like, is it really that way? Is it that different? Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> they're good. They, they feel really nice. Um, and and I, I sort of looked at it as like, yeah, they're they're really expensive, but they they should last a really really long time. And yeah, I mean, it should be like the last pair of cranks that you buy. I mean, it's like you're gonna break right. a carbon crank eventually. Like it's just gonna happen. Totally. So <laughs> in your warranty, so think about how many carbon cranks you're gonna buy over ten years, and I bet you're gonna spend that amount of money. I'm yeah, no, hundred percent. I, I I get it. 
It's, yeah. def- it's just one of those things where it's like, man, you know that like point of entry, right? Because what yeah. are they? Really? Eight, nine hundred bucks, right? Yeah, I think they're a thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, dude, that, that's like, that's full commit, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah, they're. Maybe but, it's I, I don't recall exactly, but they're expensive. Everybody I talk to, though, is just says that it's like a phenomenal difference in like how the power transfer is. Like you can tell it immediately. Yeah, they, they feel really, really good. Um, I did notice, I mean, I guess I was going from, I think a Shimano XT crank was what I had on before. And yeah, I did notice a difference there. Yeah. You probably are faster just because your wallet's lighter, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> 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 right on guys dude i really appreciate you guys getting out here it's been an hour i know you guys are a little on a shoot short time frame um I, do you guys watch youtube outside of you know being on this this podcast do you guys normally watch youtube yeah here, yeah. here, here and there, there. Sure. i always ask people before they get off the show like what channels they like to watch even if it has nothing to do with mountain biking like like that mark roper guy dude is super fun to watch like nailing people on trying to like steal his like box of glitters throwing shit around and fart spray do you guys know what i'm talking about (laughs) i think i've seen that before he's got like this box that like looks like it's an ipad box or something like that and he leaves it on people's porches because these packages are getting stolen all the time and then somebody steals it and it's got like gps in it and cameras and like they take it home and it's like spraying fart spray out and shooting glitter on them and shit it's funny as hell so if you haven't seen that, go ahead and definitely check it out. But I always ask people like, so is there any channels that like you're into? What do you like watching? Uh, I watch a lot of machinist channels. Uh, that's pretty much how I learned CNC machining is oh, just through, like watching YouTube videos and stuff. And, and so, yeah, there's, I don't know. I watch all kinds of different stuff, but I would say that one's like, I probably watch the most of, I would say it's, it's educational YouTubing for sure. Yeah, yeah. When I first started watching YouTube, the only thing I watched was like how to fix my water heater and cat videos. So I totally understand. <laughs> how about you, Tim? You watch YouTube or not really? Yeah, a bit. So, I mean, I was actually using it earlier today. I have a, you know, for the same sort of thing, like fixing shit. So my, my truck uh, has a leak. It's been raining here and my windshield's leaking. So it's like, you know, known things like that. Uh, and then, and then there's like, uh, so I have two kids, my son Leo's 11 and, and he's always showing me something, you know, just oh, like, right on. you know, look at this, like, and it's usually somebody doing something really dumb, you know, right. so, like, videos like that. So I get a lot of that stuff. Uh, and then I, I use, I, when I'm feeling good, I really like to, you know, I, I use it for yoga videos as dorky as that sounds. For the yoga and cycling work really well together, and so like getting up in the morning and and picking a video that you can just relax to and do some yoga helps me out a lot. Oh, right on, man! Yeah. Real quick before we go, because I feel like this is a great question too. Is uh, do you guys sell in Europe? Yeah, we do. That would be that was a slow yes sort of stuff mostly, <laughs> and you know it gets a bit tricky, and so distribution over there is is something that we're looking into but we're we're, uh production wise you know having a fun time just keeping up with what we can do here we we have but if somebody reached out to you like you guys would just work out the shipping with them if that's what they really wanted to do or something like that 
Got yeah, it. Yeah. Got it. Yep. And it usually works out pretty well. You, you know, once again, yeah. we can we can make somebody a bike that's like unique and one of a kind. So, hundred percent, man. Right on, man. Hey, honestly, Tim, Adam, I was really, really stoked that you guys were able to, to come on and, and chat with me about Reeb. It was cool hearing about the company and we got a little little insight into what's coming up in the future here with the uh, 190 millimeter pinion. <laughs> and uh, it was super fun chatting. It really was. And I I appreciate that you guys took the, day, the time out of your day. I would imagine, you know, it's Mother's Day. There's probably more important things to do than sit around and drink beer with some guy on the other side of the country. So thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate that. To all you guys that are listening, definitely go over and check out Reeb Cycles. There are websites in the show more. Check them out on uh, Instagram. You can also go over to Jeff Lenoski's channel, Trail Boss, and he's, he's always riding one and got lots of good things to say. We're going to have Jeff on the show here sometime in the near future i gotta i gotta figure that out but it'll happen for sure he's always fun to talk to you guys you guys have heard those episodes in the past if you guys want to help me out do me a favor seriously hit the thumbs up if you if you've enjoyed this if you haven't subscribed already hit the subscribe button because that makes me happy and um i don't want to pay for prozac so keep hitting the subscribe button and you'll 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 help me out there outside of that it would be awesome if you're a podcast listener and you wrote a review, um, I always read the ones over on the Apple side because they're easy for me to get to. But if you write a review, I think I'm actually not even sure. I'm assuming this makes something in the algorithm be like, oh, man, somebody else wrote a review. Hopefully it's a good one, man. So if you want to write a bad one, actually, don't don't bother. It's not worth your time. So <laughs> anyways, I just want to let you guys all know one thing. It only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one.